Hello and welcome to Deer Tracks. It's great to have you back in my neck of the woods as we gather for another episode of the Deer Tracks podcast. My name is James Kibbe, and I am delighted each week to bring you some wonderful poems from some wonderful poets, as well as share some of my own, and maybe even yours as well. That's right, you can submit a poem of your own creation to be heard on this podcast by sending it to poetry.deertracks at gmail.com. Also, if you're more of a songwriter, I would love to share your songs as well. For poems, you can submit just the words to be read by me, or a recording of yourself reading your poem. For songs, please send a recording of just you and either a guitar, piano, ukulele, whatever instrument you play, making sure the lyrics come through clearly and understandable, and try to keep it under four, four and a half minutes. Please make sure your submission is appropriate for a general audience, and again, the email to submit your work is poetry.deertracks at gmail.com. I would like to thank everyone who has been tuning in each week. I really appreciate your support and your listenership, if that's a word. Initially, when I started this podcast, I had planned to release an episode each week after week after week throughout the year. But recently, I felt it would be more beneficial for me to record 10-episode seasons, giving myself a much-needed break in between so I can focus a little more on writing and prevent myself from getting burned out. With that said, I will have one more episode next week, and then I will be off for the summer. Please hang with me as I will start up again in the fall. And now that we got that bit of housekeeping out of the way, on to this week's episode. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Some of you may recognize that soundbite from the 1989 hit film Field of Dreams which stars Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones, whom you just heard, Amy Madigan, and Ray Liotta. It's a fitting start as we honor a truly American pastime, which we affectionately call baseball. I've always enjoyed being in the ballpark, smelling the fresh-cut grass, eating a good hot dog, or, if you're like my dad, peanuts, and watching the mental chess match that goes on between the batter and the pitcher. Most important to me are the memories of going to games with my dad, and even just putting on our mitts and playing catch in the backyard. Maybe you have similar memories, and like me, this current year carries a more somber tone as the possibility of not having a baseball season is real. Well, rather than reflect on that, I thought it would be fun to reminisce on the wonder of this beloved sport, which has captured our imaginations. Franklin Pierce Adams, or FPA, as he was known by his readers, wrote two of the poems that I decided to share with you. The first is titled, A Ballad of Baseball Burdens. I really like how FPA fleshed out the connection 
between a community and its team as he writes from a fan's perspective. One thing to note about FPA is that he was a New York Giants fan. And yes, there is a football team with that name, and there is also a connection between the two franchises, which I won't get into now, but worth the research if you're interested. Anyway, here is A Ballad of Baseball Burdens by Franklin Pierce Adams. The burden of hard hitting, slug away, like Honus Wagner or like Tyrus Cobb, else fandom shouteth, who said you could play? Back to the Jasper League, you minor slob. Swat, hit, connect, line out, get on the job, else you shall feel the brunt of fandom's ire. Biff, bang it, clout it, hit it on the knob. This is the end of every fan's desire. The burden of good pitching, curved or straight, or in or out, or haply up or down, to puzzle him that standeth by the plate, to lessen, so to speak, his bat renown, like Christy Mathewson or Minor Brown, so pitch that every man can but admire, and offer you the freedom of the town. This is the end of every fan's desire. The burden of loud cheering, oh, the sounds, the tumult and the shouting from the throats, of forty thousand at the polo grounds, sitting a standing sands their hats and coats, a mighty cheer that possibly denotes that cub or pirate fat is in the fire, or, as H. James would say, we've got their goats. This is the end of every fan's desire. The burden of a pennant, oh, the hope, the tenuous hope, the hope that's half a fear, the lengthy season and the boundless dope, and the bromidic wait until next year. Oh, dread disgrace of trailing in the rear, oh, peace of bunting flying high and higher, that next October it shall flutter here. This is the end of every fan's desire. Ah, fans, let not the quarry but the chase be that to which most fondly we aspire. For us not stake but game, not goal but race. This is the end of every fan's desire. That was A Ballad of Baseball Burdens by Franklin Pierce Adams. As I mentioned before, FPA was a New York baseball Giants fan, which is why he would delight in cub or pirate fat being in the fire. Both the Cubs and the Pirates were National League rivals of the Giants. The Cubs in particular, during the early part of the 20th century, had a trio of infielders who made games difficult to watch for anyone who wasn't a Cubs fan. This trio was shortstop Joe Tinker, second baseman Johnny Evers, and first baseman Frank Chance. In fact, because of this next poem by FPA, the phrase Tinker to Evers to Chance became a colloquial way of describing any process that had a smooth and ruthless efficiency. As a sports fan, I can relate to watching a rival club make life difficult for my favorite team, and at the same time appreciate the talent of those players as their legacy helps extend the legacy of the sport. Though, in the moment I'm probably more frustrated than appreciative, still, all of this is captured by FPA in the eight lines that make up his poem titled, Baseball's Sad Lexicon. Here it is. These are the saddest of possible words. Tinker to Evers to Chance. Trio of bear cubs and fleeter than birds. Tinker and Evers and Chance. Ruthlessly pricking our gonfaloon bubble. Making a giant hit into a double. Words that are heavy with nothing but trouble. Tinker to Evers to Chance. 
That was Baseball's Sad Lexicon by Franklin Pierce Adams. This final poem I wanted to share with you is an American classic written by Ernest Lawrence Thayer titled Casey at the Bat. I remember first encountering the story of Mighty Casey as a kid through the Disney animated short that was based on Thayer's poem. And if you go to the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, you will find on Main Street, USA, a quick-service restaurant named after Casey with a late 19th century baseball theme. This is a great place to grab a hot dog, in my opinion, and listen to some ragtime music. Yes, outside of the restaurant is an upright piano, and at different times throughout the day, a gentleman will sit down and play a set of ragtime classics for everyone to enjoy. Now, to give you a taste of what that's like, here is a video clip I shot during one of the times I was there. If you're listening to this via a podcast app or website, then you'll hear the audio, but to see the video clip, just head on over to YouTube, search James Kibbe, and watch this as part of the video for this episode. I will also post this video clip on Instagram at poetry.deertracks, so you can see it there as well. I know it's difficult not to get caught up in the rat race that can make up a Disney vacation with so much to do and see, but I hope when you're there you take a few minutes to enjoy some of the more subtle performances happening in the midst of the hustle and bustle by some really talented musicians and performers. You won't regret it. Alright, so let us turn our attention to the Mudville Nine as they try to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat and Ernest Lawrence Thayer's Casey at the bat. The outlook wasn't brilliant for the Mudville Nine that day. The score stood four to two with but one inning more to play. And then when Coney died at first and Barrows did the same, a sickly silence fell upon the patrons of the game. A straggling few got up to go in deep despair, the rest clung to that hope which springs eternal in the human breast. They thought if only Casey could but get a whack at that, We'd put up even money now with Casey at the bat. But Flynn preceded Casey, as did also Jimmy Blake, and the former was a Lulu and the latter was a cake. So upon that stricken multitude grim melancholy sat, for there seemed but little chance of Casey's getting to the bat. But Flynn let drive a single to the wonderment of all, and Blake the much-despised tore the cover off the ball. And when the dust had lifted and men saw what had occurred, there was Jimmy safe at second and Flynn a hugging third. Then from five thousand throats and more there rose a lusty yell. It rumbled through the valley, it rattled in the dell. It knocked upon the mountain and recoiled upon the flat. For Casey, mighty Casey, was advancing to the bat. There was ease in Casey's manner as he stepped into his place. There was pride in Casey's bearing and a smile on Casey's face, and when responding to the cheers he lightly doffed his hat, no stranger in the crowd could doubt t'was Casey at the bat. Ten thousand eyes were on him as he rubbed his hands with dirt, 
Five thousand tongues applauded when he wiped them on his shirt. Then while the writhing pitcher ground the ball into his hip, defiance gleamed in Casey's eye, a sneer curled Casey's lip. And now the leather-covered sphere came hurtling through the air, and Casey stood a-watching it in haughty grandeur there. Close by the sturdy batsman the ball unheeded sped. That ain't my style, said Casey. Strike one, the umpire said. From the benches black with people, there went up a muffled roar, like the beating of the storm waves on a stern and distant shore. Kill him! Kill the umpire! shouted someone on the stand, and it's likely they'd have killed him had not Casey raised his hand. With a smile of Christian charity, great Casey's visage shone. He stilled the rising tumult, he bade the game go on. He signaled to the pitcher, and once more the spheroid flew. But Casey still ignored it. And the umpire said, Strike two. Fraud! cried the maddened thousands, and Echo answered fraud. But one scornful look from Casey and the audience was awed. They saw his face grow stern and cold. They saw his muscles strain. And they knew that Casey wouldn't let that ball go by again. The sneer is gone from Casey's lip. His teeth are clenched in hate. He pounds with cruel violence, his bat upon the plate. And now the pitcher holds the ball, and now he lets it go. And now the air is shattered by the force of Casey's blow. Oh, somewhere in this favored land, the sun is shining bright. The band is playing somewhere, and somewhere hearts are light. And somewhere men are laughing, and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has struck out. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I really appreciate your time, and I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If so, please help me out by leaving a 5-star rating and positive review, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Most sites have some sort of rating system, so please consider taking a couple minutes to rate and review. It really helps me grow my audience. Also, if you would like to contact me via social media, you can do so on Facebook and Instagram through the handle at poetry.deertracks and on Twitter through at kibby underscore poetry. I also post these episodes on YouTube. Just search James Kibby and subscribe to my channel. So until our paths cross again, this is James Kibbe saying, See the beautiful, know the beautiful, be the beautiful. Take care.